Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love, and today um, we've been doing this a little bit, so you've, you've heard some of these podcast episodes where we realized that Pastor JD has, he preaches every week almost, and he's got all this great sermon content, and a lot of times in his sermons he'll answer really interesting questions and so we're going to have a couple episodes here coming up where we are going to just pull a a little bit of an excerpt from a sermon where jd answers a question and the question today is can you be active in the church and still go to hell so we're going to listen to this little piece of the sermon from pastor jd um, about this topic and i hope it's helpful for you guys there is a difference between religion and repentance Like I showed you, Saul did a lot of religious things, but he never really repented. This is what Jesus warned us about in Matthew 7 that I referenced at the beginning. On that final day, there's gonna be a lot of people, Jesus says, a lot of people to whom he says to their surprise and their horror, you were active in my church. In fact, you ever look at what the things he lists? He's like, you were there, you spoke in my name, you gave in my name, you made big sacrifices in my name, You, 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 you cast out demons in my name. I don't know if y'all know this, but if we tap you in this church to serve on the demon exorcism squad, you're varsity, okay? We're not talking about sideline people. We're talking about very active religious people if you're on the demon exorcism squad. Despite all that, though, you never really repented, and I never actually knew you. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but are you going to be in that number? Part of my own story of coming to Christ came after a Sunday school teacher confronted me with that in middle school kind of began a process that led to what I think of as my conversion. It was a Friday night and my whole small group had gone over to his house and we could go bowling. But before we left his house to go bowling, he wanted to do a short Bible study because that's what you do in student ministry. You bait kids with things like bowling and then you hit them with Bible study. So I remember him reading this passage from Matthew 7, this one I'm referring to. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. And then my Sunday school teacher looked at us and said, boys, a bunch of y'all are gonna be in that number. And that was about all he said. I can't remember anything else he said. But I knew in my heart it was gonna be me. You know, here's the thing. I was super religious. I was a good kid. I was a rule follower. I'd done well at school. I was very active in my church. And in my church, by the way, you had to go there three times a week for it to count. Three to thrive, baby, three to thrive. I always say that the only drug problem I ever had growing up was getting drugged to church three times a week. So I was plenty religious, but I'd never repented and surrendered to Jesus as king. You wanna know how you can know if you've substituted religion for repentance? I'll give you a few signs, okay? Rationalization. If you're taking notes, that's letter A. Rationalization, you rationalize your sin. That's what Saul did. Look at all the good things I've done for you, God. It's not that bad, I'm gonna sacrifice. If you rationalize instead of repent, that means you rarely think about your sin in terms of rebellion against God. You only think about your sin in terms of how you compare to others. Well, it's not, it's just pornography. It's not, it's not, I'm not having an affair. I may not be fully committed in my relationship with Jesus, but I'm a good, honest person and I I go to church, right? Rationalization. Number two here, or letter B, here's the second way, unchanged behavior. Y'all, this one might be kind of obvious, but a sign that you haven't repented is unchanged behavior. With your mouth, you say that Jesus is king, but the testimony of your life says something different. There's two ways to tell what you believe, right? One, I can ask you, and what your mouth says you believe. 
Second way is what your life says you believe, and if what your mouth says differs from what your life says, God accepts the testimony of your life every single time. Doesn't matter what you say in here, how many verses you know, how many high you can raise your hands in the air. If your best friends that hang out with you on Friday night don't know that you're a committed Christian, you're probably not. With Saul's mouth, he said that God was king, but with his life, he demonstrated that he was. Write this down. A repentance that does not change you in life will not save you in death either. Jesus' half-brother, James, talks about this when he says, you say you believe in God? Good. Guess who else believes in God? The demons. They believe and they tremble. In fact, they believe so much that they tremble at the thought of God, but the demons aren't safe, are they? They're good theologians. They'd outscore you and me on a theology quiz, but they're not saved because their belief doesn't lead to repentance. It's not what your mouth says that God takes as the indicator of what you believe. It's what your life says. Here's the third thing. Let us see. Worldly sorrow, not godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow instead of godly sorrow. Several times in Saul's life, he weeps over his sin. We see it right there again in 1 Samuel 28. A lot of people confuse worldly sorrow with repentance. They assume the tears and the emotion means repentance. That is not true. Paul talks in uh, 2 Corinthians, he distinguishes two kinds of religious tears. 2 Corinthians 7.10, he says, there's godly sorrow. And the way you know it's godly is it produces repentance that leads to salvation. Godly sorrow is not salvation. Godly sorrow might produce the repentance that leads to salvation. But there's another kind of sorrow and that's worldly sorrow. And that produces only death. You feel good because you've cried out your emotions, but it's not led you to salvation. You got worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow over sin can arise for all kinds of reasons. Maybe the embarrassment of of being caught. Maybe it's self-pity. Maybe it's self-condemnation. Maybe it's fear of punishment. Your tears might be moving to others and to yourself, but none of those things equal repentance. Confessing your sin is not repentance. You might just be trying to relieve your guilt or get something off your chest. One thing shows repentance, a changed life. Repentance is the the Greek word metanoia, which means a change of mind. To repent means you change your mind about the kingship of Jesus and you adjust your life accordingly. No change, no Jesus. Here's the last one. Letter D, partial compliance. That's a big one. Talked about it several times in this study. You, you start obeying God in one area, but not all. See, all repentance is one of these things that's got to be total or it's meaningless. I mean, think of it this way. They say there was a man who was an adulterer. He had multiple affairs, a different one every day of the week, and his wife confronts him and he says, okay, I'll quit sleeping with Tuesday girl and Friday girl, but Thursday girl and I are going to keep going for a while. That's not repentance. Marital faithfulness is one of those things that has to be total for it to be meaningful. A man cannot be mostly faithful to his wife. She's either the only one or she's not. Same thing is true of lordship. You either surrendered to Jesus as Lord or you're not. Or like we say around here, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And I always want to be clear when I say this, I'm, I'm not talking about achieving sinless perfection. Y'all, we all struggle with sin and lapses of faith and we will for the rest of our lives. That happens to me. But Jesus is the king of my life. And standing right here before you right now, there is no area I am willfully holding back from him. In fact, think of it like this, if it helps. A man who gets married doesn't suddenly become a perfect husband who loves his wife purely and completely at every moment. Every man, every man I've ever known struggles to be a loving husband at times. Sometimes you even have stray thoughts. 
but a man who is serious about his marriage is still, even in the midst of all that, a one woman man. If you say you're married and you were still intentionally seeing other people on the side, your marriage is a sham. Saying you belong to Jesus, even as you intentionally keep areas of your life back from him means your conversion is a sham. All right, everybody. Well, that was really good. I hope that was good for you guys to hear. If you like this podcast, we would definitely encourage you to rate and review it. Give us some stars. Give us some feedback. That kind of stuff just really helps the podcast go out to more people. More people can hear it. Um, And if you like it, chances are they'll like it as well. So we encourage you to go do that wherever you listen to podcasts. Just go give it a quick rate and review. And we will see you next time on Ask Me Anything. Ask Me Anything.